Estradiol is not the enemy. Our industry has it ass backwards. Mm -hmm. In a female body, estrogen is going to act differently than in a male body. So why are all these male coaches utilizing their own antidotal bullshit to build protocols for women? Like, it does not make any sense at all. Like, none. And they try to say things that there is not just, like, a small body of evidence, but a big body of evidence to refute it. Guys, I am here with a researcher uh, in women's health, Victoria Felkar, and my wife. And, uh, of course, you know these guys. <laughs> the way you said that was like you're with Victoria and your wife. Like, Victoria and like my you wife. Got two women there. <laughs> yeah, you got two women there. <laughs> like I don't know what you guys' arrangement is, but <laughs> we, can't, we can't talk about that on the podcast. Uh, messing with the size here. All right. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. Um, so we had a question. It came up on Patreon. Uh, I'm going to see if I can pull this up right now. It's just on our chat. Yeah, I'm going to grab it from our chat. Um, and I had shown it to Skip and Andrew before the show as well. Let me see if I can pull up the first section here. Um, and we thought Victoria would be a great person to bring in on this. Uh, Katie messaged us and she said, uh, uh, just bought Helios from Amino Asylum, injectable Clen and Yohimbine. Any experience with this? Does it feel stronger or take effect faster than uh, oral administration. I'm thinking maybe uh, that's something we could tackle after this because uh, that's a kind of a general BSG question. But uh, the second part is she says, uh, I just finished a prep and competed on June 5th. I ran an eight week Anivar cycle at 10 milligrams. Um, last two weeks used Osterine at 10 milligrams. Lastly, for peak week, added Novadex 10 milligrams daily and Arimidex 0.25 milligrams Tuesday and Friday. Been off everything since then and got blood work done a week ago. FSH was 1.1 and LH uh, was 2.2. Test was 15 and Estradiol at uh, less than 15. The plan um, was to start prep again for a show in November, starting that prep in two weeks. Would it be unwise to do so with the levels uh, being where they are? Thanks for the input. Uh, appreciate anything you guys can offer. I, th I think a good first question might I would like to ask for any any females that are listening, those levels that she mentioned, which were... Uh, FSH at 1.1, uh, LH at 0.2, uh, test at 15, and estrogen at less than 15. Are, what do you think about those levels? Well, her question was, would it be wise or unwise to start prep with those levels? So, yes, it would be unwise. Okay. Next like question. My, no, that's like my shortest answer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think we all said the same thing. Like, uh, yeah, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. 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 So to summarize, uh, she's castrated. Yeah. Totally castrated. Um, and then because my wonderful husband knows my brain, he went back in and asked her for some more inside information. Because one of the things I thought right away was, well, I don't love that concoction of drugs but at only eight weeks 
that seems a little much, a little bit of an extreme reaction, at least from what I have seen for the last, I mean, 10 plus years, and also just uh, theoretically from the research. It seems like it's a bit of an extreme reaction to, to just the drugs. drugs. Just to those drugs. I mean, prep- what's the gap in time, well, though? Between when she stopped yeah. that cycle and when she got those blood work numbers. It was about a month okay. or so. All right. I had okay. to like map it out because my brain just couldn't. Yeah. Word problems and me don't get along. So I felt like I was doing <laughs> some some math here. Um, so that's kind of like where I said to Scott, like right away, I was like, that's really interesting. I wonder what else is going on. I wonder what where she started at. Um, so Scott went back in. And got a couple other pieces of information from her. He asked, um, I think it was... What was your, like, birth control age? Yeah, were you on birth control? Because for me, I was like, oh, is there another variable going on? Because not everybody realizes that, you know, that's going to have an impact on things. Um, what her age was, that's going to have an impact on things. Um, and then he also asked here about... How the, long had you been dieting, dieting for, for the show? It was a 20-week diet. So... I don't know, Scott, if you want me to just like hop into my thoughts, if you want the guys yeah, sure. to say their thoughts well, and me kind of weighing on theirs. Like, we thought we'd just have you on to to, to field this question okay. and, and get your opinion on it. It would be a good opportunity. We have uh, you know a good deal of female listeners uh, and that we don't always address content directly yeah. for them. So it could be it could be helpful for them and possibly for some yeah. men, too, from what you were saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a lot there. Um, so when we went back in to get more information, one of the things that we found out is that she had been on birth control. I don't know how long, but stopped one year ago. So one year ago, don't know where that is in that relationship to prep, if it was one year before the start of prep, or if it was, I mean, the grand scheme of things, if it was, say, a seven months prior to starting prep, and then she would have started prep, and then we're off to the races, right? So... For one of the considerations we have to always have with women um, when they've been on some type of a hormonal contraceptive is it takes time to recover. Um, The best way I can phrase this, my most bro analogy is, let's just say she was on her hormonal contraceptive, an oral, and it was quite a strong combination too. It wasn't like it was a low dose of things. It was a stronger one for six years. So as you guys have probably seen, what would happen if a male took an oral and a bolic androgenic steroid for six years without coming off? You'd be shut down. Yeah. And how long would it take to come back? Probably a while. Un- yeah. Undetermined. Like, yeah. yeah. It, in some cases, might not at all. Um, yeah. In some cases, I mean, we've seen some people bounce back in two months, yeah. some people six months, yeah. some cases yeah. not at all. Yeah. Now, think about when, say you were a 15-year-old boy, because you're not even a man yet. And you started that. Would it take longer to recover? Would there be more implications and probably more steps required to get you to recover? Sure. Absolutely. So contraceptives, right? Hormonal contraceptives, whether we're talking about oral or injectable or patch or whatever the other, whatever the route of entry is, we're looking at steroids, but we're stacking. So now we're not just looking at this huge body of like anabolic androgenics, everything from oxandrolone to D-ball and beyond, uh, of all these different ways they impact the body, but we're now stacking them with another one. So we've got two different drugs happening, and so it takes time to recover. It, it can take a long time. And so if this individual started 
her prep already in the, the I mean, already in the gutter, then that's going to impact not only how her hormones responded to the actual act of contest prep, which is a huge physiological stress on the body, but also how she responded to the drugs and how long it's going to take to get her to come out of that process. I generally speaking as a, just a general, and I don't generalize often, but my general rule of thumb is you typically don't want to run somebody's hormones for about three months after prep, after hormonal exogenation, exogenation, oh my gosh. That's a good word. I can't even speak tonight. Exogenous <laughs> use, whether that's hormonal contraceptives or androgens. Why? Takes about 120 days or so for an egg in the ovaries to go through its beautiful journey. And for women, most of our hormone production are coming from our ovaries. So it doesn't quite make sense if we've done things to stop that or prevent that from occurring to just run labs right out the gate. Even even one month, that doesn't give your body the time it needs to actually start to build that baseline. And in that three-month period of time, things are going to be here, there, and everywhere. Highs and lows, where you are one day might be look totally different from the next day. And now you're basing a potential protocol or um, action on just really bad data. So that's kind of, kind of my rule number one is that's where we start is you take about three months and you do all the things lifestyle to help you recover. Food is coming up. Training's coming down. You're introducing support through smart supplementation, but you're not completely kiboshing things with like utilizing Vitex or adding in some bullshit PCT that's not even designed for women. Like you're doing the, the hard work to regain uh, just general health and reproductive function. And then you get your labs done. And then you can actually make a decision based off of where things are at. So you would have, just to kind of tie this together mm-hmm. then, you're saying that's what you would have done mm-hmm. before the prep even, really. Absolutely, yeah, before prep. And then from there, we can go, okay, how many ovulatory menstrual cycles has this individual had before? Right. She might have had none. We don't know. And then that changes so much i mean it changes how uh, sensitive your your body is to hormones it changes your receptors it changes your binding it changes so many different elements that influence our hormonal milieu i know skip likes that term um, i love that term so it just for me it's like one of those situations there is so many factors going on and we do have to be really mindful of that that the ways in which women make hormones is different than men. And there's a lot of really crazy adaptive things that can happen in the body when we've castrated it for a long period of time. So that's kind of like step one for me for this individual. So number one is it takes time. We don't know how long it's going to take. And that's just from the starting conditions of coming off the pill. And now we have to add in another variable, which is prep. And then we have to add another variable, which is exogenous androgen use and also anti- estrogen and selective and i think that's the that's the important one too that really can't we don't want to lose sight of the fact that not only is she trying to come back with or rebound with estrogen production but there's a remedex in there at the same time and that is 
pretty concerning because that had, I mean, the, that's going to impede that process dramatically too. And I don't know what her protocol, I don't know how much, how many of the details you got, but if that Arimidex dosing was run longer, I mean, you're not running it against uh, a testosterone or anything. You're running it against Anavar. It's a, it's a pretty 0.25 twice a week to 10 milligrams of Anavar is pretty strong. How long was she was she running that the whole time? Uh, that's gonna that's certainly gonna have an impact. It's gonna as an example, if she was just running Anavar and she weren't using Arimidex, there may be a quicker adjustment. I think it's more likely. It doesn't mean that there would be, but it's more likely that her body could rebound a little bit quicker and the body could start kicking out uh, female hormones again a little bit sooner. But with that Arimidex in there, um, you got to wonder, like, how much is that going to impede the process moving forward and for how long? I think she said it was just the last week that she ran the... the oh, okay. Arimidex. All right. I think All she right. said that's when she added the Novadex and uh, Arimidex in. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that typically, like, you're going to see something. I'm not saying I did this, but you're going to see some coaches will push it for like the last 10, 12 days. And actually, I want to point on this. Um, I had a, there's a top bikini coach that uses Arimidex, um, Letro, um, Jesus, and one of the Serms as well. Holy like, shit. and not at like, not at female doses, like big boy doses. Like, and like, one girl had to pull out a universe. Because she couldn't even get off like the couch, like couldn't walk. Mm. Like, yeah. Can can I, I just can we talk? Yeah, about I just don't that? understand that. I know, What's right? That? Scott, can we have permission to talk about All right. estrogen modulation? Yeah, yeah. We just. Uh, I think it's minutes. retarded, but yeah. couple, it's couple, like killing an ant with a grenade. I mean, holy shit! Go for it. So, okay, estradiol <laughs> is not the enemy. Our industry has it ass backwards mm-hmm. in a female body estrogen is going to act differently than in a male body so why are all these male coaches utilizing their own antidotal bullshit to build protocols for women like it does not make any sense at all like none and they try to say things that there is not just like a small body of evidence but a big body of evidence to refute it like, to me, it's just like estradiol, it actually will influence how sensitive somebody is to salt. So if you sure. all of a sudden nuke estrogen, estradiol specifically, but estrone and estriol will follow, then your salt sensitivity increases. Your aldosterone changes. So with, um, with as E2 falls, aldosterone goes up. And yeah, they're just countering that with like six different diuretics. Exactly. Yeah, Angio- exactly. Angiotensin yeah. it's, changes. It, it, fat it, it's loss one of those changes. things I feel like, yeah, I feel like you're, there, a lot of times people will throw a compound in and then they have to throw two other compounds in yeah. to counteract the sides and then yeah. three more to counteract those. Yeah. It's really crazy. It, it's gotten it's, out of hand, actually. It's crazy to me because it's like, okay, let's use a anabolic androgenic steroid that aromatizes in the body. Okay, so now we're dealing with supra-physiological levels of testosterone in the female body that are going to have, depending on her starting place, depending on her fat levels, depending on a bunch of different things, are going to potentially aromatize. But then we all of a sudden bring in, in some type of 
estrogen modulating or limiting element to bring down. So now we have testosterone rogue in a female body, unopposed to estradiol, doesn't have progesterone. So yeah, you're gonna have crazy implications for that. And not mm -hmm. just short term, long term. Because the best way, like one of my secrets that's not even a secret, if you wanna keep a female healthy as a competitor and as an exogenous user, you have to balance estradiol, progesterone, and testosterone, and then precursor and following like metabolites of androgens. Like that's how you do it. <laughs> that is how you do it. Not one is high, at least not for too long. And not one is low, at least not for too long. The argument could be made too, even with males, that we are emphasizing and putting too much emphasis too on keeping, because we've had this discussion on the podcast a couple times before too, that there is too much emphasis, on maybe not burying estrogen levels, but that there, we're controlling them far more than they need to be. And that throws the ratio out of whack. I know we were talking about that. I brought it up about uh, the discussion around Chase Irons with the ratio of mm -hmm. testosterone to estrogen. Mm -hmm. I thought the ratio was a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't think it needed to be as high as what he was saying, but that just makes for good discussion. That's not necessarily right or wrong. And I think though that as a as an industry, we're doing something similar with men in the sense that we may not tank it into the single digits, but it's significantly lower in impacting even uh, the rate that we're able to get rid of body fat, quite frankly, metabolism based on ridiculously low estrogen levels as well. Absolutely. And here's the thing that kills me is that we put so much into levels like, oh, it's this high or it's, oh, it's this low. But that's only a small part of the, the, the chaos of hormones in the body. We have to look at how they're binding. We have to look at how they're being metabolized. We have to look at tissue sensitivity. We have to look at so many different elements and that they all impact it. And I think one of the most beautiful examples is in women when they go through uh, perimenopause and into menopause and their ovaries are no longer working, how does their body get hormones? Well, the adrenals will only so get about 5%. Adrenals, yeah. a little bit. That are replacement. Yeah, not much. Yeah. Mid-center adipose. They push it. Oh, so they wow. actually, the brain gets signaled saying, I need hormones help. And then all of a sudden it will change your ways in which you store lipids. And because fat adipose is an endocrine sure. creating <laughs> organ, it will drive it to your adipose. So now your adipose is creating more testosterone and mm -hmm estradiol and estrone and androstene diet like it, it will begin to create that still in less levels then you also will also go into the adrenals so it's just such a funny quirky world that we live in that somehow we think that by shutting down the ovaries we're going to elicit fat loss when that's what's clearly been articulated in the literature mm -hmm. interesting yeah i didn't <laughs> think of the fat component <laughs> that's why i was like oh shit all right. Any, so, in short, take a break from prep. Yeah. Get, and I, I think healthy. you guys agreed with, we all agreed with that, that having just prepped for 20 weeks, and, and I asked her, I said, well, why are you doing this? And she said, well, we didn't get, I think she said we didn't get the qualification that I wanted at this show. My thought <laughs> would be ready. do a show 
you know, now. Like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be prep another twenty weeks. It would be like do a second show now. You know, it's yeah. kind or of what, too late now. She already came off. She's done. But more importantly, know. though, what does that tell you? You're not ready for qualification. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's going to be incredibly like, difficult to get into the condition that you need to get into when your hormones are all fucked around like that anyway. And I think that we, and I don't mean that shitty to the to the person, you know, uh, with the situation. Sure. All I'm saying is you're you're going to go through then this prep process again, and you're you're almost certainly going to come out not at a hundred percent like you think you, you can't outwork shitty hormones. I, you're just well, essentially going to make it worse. So it's not really a it's not even if even if you take the health component and the recovery component out of it, the condition and the package that you're going to put back up on stage is not going to be your best package anyway. So shit to go through all that and not be able to do that. Just take the time off, be patient and and accept that this is a a longer journey than how fast you can get it done and how fast you can get the qualification. Let's make one caveat. What if this person was using no compounds and they still died at 20 weeks? Would you, wouldn't, I mean, for me, I would say, yeah, we're shutting it down, you know, yeah. because yeah. it's very likely With that those- sex hormones are tanked just from the prep. Take the, take the compounds out of it. There's going to be some, some dysfunction there without the, uh, without the compounds. Yeah, I mean, would you guys disagree? Absolutely. Yeah. You're talking about going into another prep though, versus just I'm saying, like hitting another show four weeks later or five weeks later. Yeah. Right? I'm saying like her, her, to her question, even if she's asking that same question and she wasn't using any PEDs and wasn't planning on using any PEDs, just the diet, the effects of the diet alone yeah. is what I'm saying. Not even just yeah. the diet, Andrew, it just even body, What's that? not even just the diet though. Well, that's like body. Well, that's what I mean. Just, just the, the but, prep. I'm saying like the, the, the prep as a whole. A lot of people don't recognize is in women, body image dissatisfaction drives ovulatory cycles. So like we look at just one tiny little sliver of what it, it means to be a bodybuilder. And that's just one tiny little sliver. And now we just start like building up that pizza. And it's like you have not like that's it's a full pie now um, of all these different factors working against you. And it takes time. And she's so young. At 23, yeah. you are so young, and this is your yeah. opportunity to put in the work, not in terms of like physique development. I mean, it is too, but for your hormones for later on in life. But I mean, in reality, we're, ask, we're asking a 23-year-old competitor to go against whatever, especially female, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. to go against what damn near everybody, every female competitor does in this industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Females are notorious, especially in bikini and things, maybe not as much up to the physique level in bodybuilding, but they're notorious for doing show after show after show and competing far too frequently. Guys are getting there. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Men's physique and stuff like that, too. But the women are so far ahead of that. And then when they're not competing, they're still staying ridiculously lean and trying to stay in what I you know call Instagram condition. And that's even without competing, if you're going to do that and you're going to stay in that condition, the, the hormone, it's just a giant, just a giant, massive hormone fucking catastrophe. Can I quote you for my research? That's, I mean, that's going to be, that's the segue or the, what do you call it? The, the feeder thing that you do, Scott. 
the, before the show like yeah, yeah. yeah. you know like you have like it's usually like a skip rant like yeah yeah <laughs> like <a fucking laughs> hormone catastrophe Da-da-da. well thank you for uh taking the time victoria she's been on a um a phd writing frenzy this bender. is yeah bender this is the first time i've seen her in three days no it's not but she's been very busy so thank you for taking the time to uh to come and hang out with us for a minute i always feel smarter when you're on the show for like five or 10 minutes and you walk away, I'm like, I just, I just feel so much more intelligent now. It's the nuggets, <laughs> little tiny nuggets. But you guys see like Scott limits how much nuggets I'm allowed to provide. <laughs> <laughs> cuts me oh, right, right. That's enough nuggets um, for the day. Yeah. No more nuggets. All right. All right. Thank you. You're welcome.